The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's really good. Thank you. That's really helping. My name is Mark. I'm on staff here with Sanctuary. Yes, thank you. And usually I'm up here hosting, but tonight I'm so excited to bring you the message. And so hopefully during this process, you can get to know me a little bit better and we can end out this series with a bang. So um, yeah, throughout this, life without, throughout this Life Without Lack series, we have been exploring Psalm 23. And today we're concluding that with Dwell, a night of worship. And it's already such a great night. Thanks again to the band and thanks again to God. That was so amazing. Um, but we're going to be focusing on the final verse of Psalm 23, which is, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And when I hear this verse, the word that sticks out to me most is dwell. You see, dwell's definition is to live in or at a specified place. And while we're all probably familiar with what that definition of dwell means, when I read this, it kind of started to change when it was instead of simply dwelling to dwelling with God. You see, it's much different than just the traditional version of dwelling. You see, to dwell with God, that means to dwell in a place of overwhelming security. And it is also an invitation to enter into a relationship with him. You see, to dwell with God means to be secure in God's faithfulness in the midst of our trials and our doubts and when the stresses of the world, they seem like too much. And dwelling with God is not just existing in a place, but it's also that invitation to accept the security that comes along when we have a relationship with God. And you're more than, in, you're more than just dwelling in God's house, which yes, it is secure, but you're also into an everlasting relationship. And in this relationship, we get to share our lives with him. He wants to be with us in the midst of our battles and trials in order to find stability. And in that stability, security. And coming in that security, all sorts of things, grace, peace, love. And then to top it all off, God calls us to dwell in his house forever. So again, when I think of the word dwell, what comes to my mind is maybe a happy home or a childhood home. Again, this is a place of security, but for many of us here in the Bay Area, we might have had to move away from that home to get here. Or for those of us that grew up here, this change could have come through maybe a, a transition from school to work or from job to job. And then with that transition, that comes your loss of security. Right? The loss of friendship maybe, or the loss of family. And this brings the grind of work or the grind of school. And this transition also means super high rent. I mean, come on, who can afford $3,000 a month to rent half a living room that's separated by a shower curtain? I mean, that's just ridiculous. But Jesus calls us to follow him and to find security in him. And the security in him doesn't mean that we have to stay in the same place. You see, dwelling can also mean moving, even if that means away from our security, because God invites us to dwell with him no matter where we are. And I've always, or I mean, I've also experienced such a move, but mine was from my childhood home, a place that was full of security and family. And I think there's a picture of my family that's going to come up. Yep, that's my mom and my dad. My mom's French, Irish, and Dutch. My dad is Japanese. That's why this face looks a little bit ambiguous. <laughs> and that is my brother who's taller and smarter, but we're just going to leave that there. Um, and so God called me to leave this 
this family um, to a part of the world that I had never been to before, to a place where I didn't have security and I didn't know anyone, a place that with a culture that was completely different than mine. See, my journey reminded me a lot like the journey that we've all been through in this series in Psalm 23, from green pastures into dark valleys and from dark valleys into a table with a feast. See, my journey, it took me to Japan, and I never planned on going. I couldn't speak a word of Japanese, and this move really meant that I had to leave behind all the stability that I had. I left my career in landscape architecture. I left my family and my friends, and I had to trust that I was discerning God's call to move correctly. And guys, as scary as this was, I'm going to be honest, I kind of felt like a rock star. I mean, I was like, oh, what? God's calling me to go to Japan to evangelize? Like, that's so cool. I felt so awesome. But I think it's important that at the same time, you guys understand that at that time I was Christian, but like I wasn't that Christian. <laughs> like, like for me to just be like, I'm going to be a missionary now, my friends would have been like, what? Do we even know you? But so God, of course, he knew that, right? And he led me to find the perfect job where I was teaching English 28 hours a week for an English tutoring program. And through this teaching job, I was really able just to get into the country under that. But really, my, my goal there was to, to, was to bring the gospel. Um, and after I moved there, I moved into my already furnished apartment that was awesome, and it was about the size of a living room because it was Japan size, and that joke would be really funny if we all weren't living in living rooms here. Um, <laughs> but it was in the middle of the heart of a bustling city, and it was great, right? Within the first three days of landing, I found an international church that spoke English and Japanese, which was key. And this is actually a picture of the first day that I got there. And yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, yeah, it was right around the corner from my place, and this was... Very, very important because I could walk there, which meant that I didn't have to take the subway because at the time I was terrified to take the subway. Has anyone else, anyone else ever been to Japan and had to take the subway? Yeah. At first, it's like kind of overwhelming and crazy, but over, you know, after time it gets a little bit better. But I have a really funny story about the first time that I got onto the subway. So I, uh, it was actually my first day in Japan, and I met a friend. Um, at the Starbucks there that helped me connect to the Wi-Fi. And he's like, you should come out and have drinks with us later. Like, you don't have any friends here yet. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And so <laughs> when I was leaving my, my apartment to go to the station, I was taking pictures, like, along my way to make sure that I could get back, like, kind of leaving, like, a trail of Easter eggs. <laughs> because, like, the street signs were still hieroglyphics at this point, And I was just like, I, I'm not going to be able to remember that. And then when I get into the station, I get my ticket, and I'm so frantically checking my ticket and then making sure the subway car is the right car, and I'm double-checking, and then I'm on it, and then I'm, I'm, I'm like, checking, and I'm neurotic because it's two stops, and two stops sounds like it's so far, but really it's like a 10-minute walk, so it wasn't that far, but I was like, oh, my God, it's two stops. And then when I stop and pause and look up, I realize that all the people on the train are girls. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of weird. And so and I'm like, okay, okay, I got to make sure I get to my stop. And once I get to my stop, I turn, I turn around and I look at the car and in like bright yellow highlighter in both Japanese and in English, it says, girls train only, no guys allowed. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, not one of my best moments. I probably could have gotten big trouble for that. But again, this was just a subtle reminder that I was in a place where I had lacked security. Right? And as you, yeah, 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 that was great. So as you might imagine, uh, my first month in Japan, it was really fun. It was fun of new experiences, new adventures. Um, I made a lot of friends at the church, and yeah, all of these guys. That was actually on my last day in Japan, and my hair was really long because I didn't speak Japanese enough to tell them how to cut my hair, so I just grew it out <laughs> the whole time. Um, but this place, they made me feel really welcome, and it was like a home away from home. And Sanctuary, I hope that this place can also be a home away from home if, for, for you guys as well, especially for the people that are new here. And just like in the beginning, yeah, come on, yeah. 
And just like in the beginning of Psalm 23, the pasture was green, right? But then, over time, that pasture, it started to dry. And after a couple months, I wasn't evangelizing like I pictured I would be. And I, this was completely different than what I thought it would look like. And I was having trouble because I was feeling like I wasn't hearing God as clearly anymore. And I started to have issues with the church that I was at because it was so different than what I was used to. And I couldn't understand why God would call me to leave behind all my stability to a place only to abandon me. It wasn't the pasture that he promised. I felt like all my security had been taken away from me. And maybe some of you guys are feeling the same way about your move to the Bay Area or your job or your school or maybe this time of transition. But looking back, God was teaching me to learn to, lead, to, learn to let him lead my life and to rely on him as a shepherd and that I needed to abandon my plans and instead follow him and his plans, which are higher, to a place to place my security in him and to trust him like a sheep trusts its shepherd. See, in the midst of this pasture turning into a valley, I had put my faith in him and not in my own ability. Or I had to put my faith in him and not in my own ability to measure my worth in him and not in my works. I had to learn to dwell with him in a place where I did not feel secure. And it's easy to see that looking back on it now, but at the time, I couldn't see past the plans that I had for my life. You see, he was addressing my pride and how I, I relied on my own strength and my own understanding, and he was doing this without me even knowing it. And then after about six months, I was sure that God had led me into a valley. It was a deep, dark valley, and some of the words that, that came to mind when I was reflecting on this were isolating and stagnant, and that I felt abandoned. I couldn't understand why God was leading me through this valley, but he was doing it so that I could grow. And once I learned to place my trust in him to lead me out of this valley, my perspective started to change. I clearly remember one night stopping by the church late after work, and they were, we were preparing for the Christmas production at this time, and we had a cafe at the bottom, so I said hi to some friends down there and went upstairs to the main hall and saw some people getting the stage ready. And so I was taking some tape, taking some tape off the stage and moving some things around and talking to some friends, and it was just casual. And then they kind of left to go do something else, and I was still taking some tape off. And then all of a sudden, they come back like 15 minutes later, and they're like, Mark, thank you so much for joining our setup team. That's so nice of you. And I was like, what do you mean? I was just taking tape off the stage. And then they just tricked me into being a part of that team. <laughs> and so T and crew team, if you guys ever need help setting up, just tell someone, that, hey, we need help doing this. And then, oh, thank you so much. You're on crew team. And it will work every time. <laughs> and as silly as that seems, that night was not only the turning point in my time in Japan, but that night was also the turning point in my faith. See, it forced me to examine what I was placing my security in, which at the time was myself, right? It wasn't God or my relationship with him, but in myself, in my own abilities, in my own understanding, and in my own pride. And can I just tell you how incredible it is that faith changes when you start serving? I mean, it is amazing, and it is a lesson that I will never forget, that through the simple act of learning how to set things up and take things down behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, God shattered walls that were holding me back, and it grew my faith explosively. Right? And through serving, I was able to deepen my relationship with God. And when we enter into a relationship with God, that relationship with him changes how we view ourselves. You see, serving was the key that helped me deepen that relationship. And it was the key that helped change my perspective. The less that I was able to focus on myself and my works, the more that God was able to mold me and shape me and my character. And soon I was able to realize that God needed me to move all the way across the ocean to, to really to get rid of 
everything that I had stored up in my life in, in, in America and ripped me from all that stability in order to make me focus on him and build my new life on him that was not built on my own knowledge or understanding or control. And he did this in order to grow me and so that I could dwell with him. And so in sanctuary, in what ways is God calling you to grow? See, you see, for me in my growth, it just started with simply relying on God. And then when I relied on God, my relationship with him improved. So dwelling is not Dwelling with God does not mean that we just have this security of dwelling in a place, but it's also that we get to enter into a relationship with him. And friends, having a relationship with God, it isn't complicated as it might seem. I mean, God might be so big or so distant, or the concept of God might make him seem so unapproachable. But this relationship is as simple as having a relationship with anyone else. All you have to do is talk to him, and he's going to listen. And when we focus on him and when we rely on him and when we learn to see through the lens that he sees through, we realize that he will lead us safely through the valleys, just like in Psalm 23 says. And I know this can be true for you just like it was true for me. And like the shepherd leads the sheep out of the dark valley, the last year of Japan, God led me out of that valley. And looking back on it, I'm so grateful to realize that during my journey through the valley, he made me leave behind my issues that I was having with pride. And I was able then to connect deeper with God, and I was more involved with my life group, and I was serving almost every weekend on this team that I didn't even sign up for, but it was so great still. (laughs) And serving allowed me to deepen that relationship with him. And instead of dwelling on my pride, I was now dwelling in my relationship with him, and that's where I found my security. And when I got away from my pride and my selfishness, soon I found myself at the table with God. It was a feast, and it was glorious, and it was so fun, and I felt like I had finally understood why God had called me to Japan. And again, just like paralleling Psalm 23, when I was feasting, this did not mean that the enemy was far away. Friends, I was in the presence of our enemy, and I have some stories about the enemy that will give me chills still to this day, when it felt like the enemy was right outside of the feast that God set before me. But I realized, just like the good shepherd that God is, he was over me, and I felt secure in him and at peace, and that I was protected. And then, just when I felt like I was hitting my stride and figured everything out, God was like, Mark, you got to go back to California. And I was like, okay. And it was hard to uproot again, but I also knew that that meant if God was calling me to follow him, even if that meant the potential of going through a dark valley again, that it was always going to be for my better. And that call back to California is actually what brings me here today. Right after a short move back home to Orange County, I was soon nudged to consider moving up to the Bay Area And soon I was blessed with a housing opportunity in San Mateo that I could not pass up. I get to live in a giant house, mostly by myself, for less than most car payments. I'm sorry to those of you who live in a living room, but if you want to come over and swim my pool or barbecue, you can anytime. (laughs) And I was blessed again, actually. (laughs) And I was blessed again. Come on, God. Come on, God. And I was blessed again when I got engaged to a beautiful woman who is out of my league and wonderful. Yes. Yes, she's wonderful. And now I'm really, <laughs> is that Allie? <laughs> and I'm really starting to understand what it means that God's goodness and mercy can follow someone. See, I'm blessed to be working in this ministry job. This is something that I never thought I would do. This journey from back to California has been one of the most growing and life-giving experiences, and I'm so glad to be here with you and to help bring his kingdom down so that we can all dwell together in the house of the Lord. But God doesn't really need help bringing his kingdom down because the reality is his kingdom is already here. 
his spirit is already here. We are just invited to become more aware of his presence. So let me explain. Before Jesus, the spirit of God, it lived in the temple. But when Jesus gave his life, something happened. Right before he died, the Bible says, and when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, back then, the spirit of God dwelled inside a temple behind this curtain. But Jesus released it. He changed it. And now it dwells within us. On this, Jesus said, and I will pray that the Father and he will give you a helper that he may abide in you forever. The spirit of truth, whom cannot deceive, who the womb cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you. He dwells with you and will be in you. You see, David, the author of Psalm 23, he dreamed of a day where he could dwell with God. Because back then, when David wrote the psalm, God was still distant and far away. But friends, tonight, we get to live in a time where God can dwell with us, which begs the question, have you let God dwell with you? Have you let him take residence in your heart? Is there areas in your life where you're insecure about? Or is there pain that you have been holding on to? Are you failing to forgive are you angry? Guys, God wants more than anything to provide security and healing for all of those. And friends, the time to dwell with God is now. The Lord's spirit is here and it is accessible and it is waiting. And no matter where you are in life or what you have done, whether you felt like you're, like right now you're in the green pasture or the valley or at the feast, his invitation will always be available to you. The only question is, is will you let him in? Right? In Revelation, Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So again, wherever we are tonight, all we have to do is open up our hearts to accept that invitation to dwell with the Lord, to give you that ultimate security so that you can have the ultimate relationship with him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for tonight and I pray over this community God that this can be a place where your spirit is alive and it is growing and that where we can dwell with it God that we can we can really sit here in your presence God that your presence would be tangible to us God and that through this experience God we can step out in faith whether that would be simply accepting the idea of you or that would be accepting you into our lives God or progressing our lives with you that we can enter into that security that we have with you, God, and we could deepen our relationship with you. God, so I pray that we could sit and we can be still, that we could just know, God, that you are there. Thank you so much. Amen.